right. Yay. We're doing it. Finally. This is awesome. Uh, this is great. It's, it's, <laughs> um, yeah, this is, uh, it's kind of weird to be a little back in the saddle, uh, after doing this a year ago. Um, unfortunately we weren't able to get to it during the spring semester, but, uh, despite the differences in location right now, we're, it's back. Uh, what's Otto's reading? It's here. I'm uh, really excited for it. Um, I'm Sam Balo, um, and joining me, I'll let her introduce herself. I'm Victoria Lafarge. I'm a sophomore English major. Yeah, and I'm also I'm a junior English major. I feel like that's important to say, like, <laughs> as a thing. Oh yeah, we're just like be weird if we were like two chemistry majors. It's just like oh yeah, but we're doing this podcast for the English program. <laughs> um. But Victoria, what's been going on with you? What's been happening in your English classes? Um, I'm taking Mysteries of the Manor House with Professor Good, and we're reading a lot of contemporary British literature. It's super interesting. Lots of twists and turns. A lot of feminist content, which I love, mm -hmm. and I did not expect at all. And it's also a lot about sexuality. It's very interesting because it's much more than you would think. And like, it's so different too because it's british mm -hmm. so it's like very interesting what books have you been reading where has the feminist theory been incorporated like what was how is this class being structured i want to i want to hear like all about that so right now i'm reading brideshead revisited mm -hmm. which is literally like britain it loves that mo book movie like their show about it. it was in the 80s I think it's literally like the best British show that's what they say they love that show but it's very interesting because it's a lot about like sexuality and homosexuality but before that there's been so many like gothic novels and gothic novels tend to be about like a female heroine and like about her fighting her struggles so I, we read Jane Eyre we read Northanger Abbey we read um oh my gosh there was one that was really good. I forget the name. It was, but they, Northanger Abbey is like kind of underrated in feminism, but like Jane Eyre is like the pinnacle. And it's like so interesting to see Jane Eyre be a heroine and like a feminist character, but at the same time, not like because of Bertha Mason. That's a whole other plot line. But there, we also read parts of, um, marie edgeworth's she wrote something i forgot what it's called but it's like a whole like feminist manifesto of like the 1800s and it's so interesting to see how like feminism at the time was so different than it is now and like how that portrayed itself in literature of that time especially in britain mm -hmm. because the definitely socially in america we were in a different different wave of feminism what uh, I I have two questions for you. Like, what was your what's your favorite thing that you've read so far in the class? And also, how did the, how is the feminism different? Like, what what are the big kind of fact uh, compare and contrast moments? My favorite book so far is definitely definitely Jane Eyre. I think it's classic, and I just it was so fun to read, and we read it for so long but like there the conversation never died like there's something always new to talk about in that book and it's so it's just so classic um I think with feminism in Britain at the time rather than America I think we were 
kind of focused on I guess like the death of Abe Lincoln and like that's what restarted our feminist movement and like moved us towards like women's voting and stuff I think in Britain at the time their political system was so different that it was more like it was more of a social movement rather than like a getting women to vote and like stuff like that I think their social movement it was very like talking about like women being married and like women's like values surrounding working and like being independent and kind of I don't know like submitting to man stuff like that while I feel like ours was kind of similar but it was definitely more about like being able to vote and like kind of getting those rights implemented into like government that's my perception that's really really interesting it's such a like kind of going in you think almost it's going to be you definitely think it's you almost think it'll be like almost in a funny way like a a more like a class that you get to like talk uh, about like as a cute little thing to lighten the mood at like thanksgiving or like christmas dinner you know it's one of those classes uh that feels like a super fun class and it is super fun but it seems like it's also super just rich with new ideas new thoughts it it, that sounds unbelievably cool it's so cool it's so like unexpected too because i i don't know i was expecting a lot more like mystery stuff oh yeah it's like mysteries and manor house so we talk a lot about like manor houses but like i did not expect like the psychological and social movements within that so i love it it's awesome and i mean like it's been the it's the in london it's been kind of the same thing of just like expectations being defied just world views being warped i'm taking a class it's technically a uh a woman and gender studies class however it could be transferred into uh english uh credit for the uh, film and screen studies track because it's a class where we analyze bond and sherlock holmes films and analyze their masculinity performance uh we read a lot of theory in that class uh judith butler who i was introduced to in uh my english 242 class and we take a really deep dive into her uh, into her literature, uh, her philosophy, and then use that to kind of interpret the film through this lens of masculine performance, through this lens of gender performance, um, which has been just so interesting to see, especially considering how Bond and Holmes both clock as incredibly masculine, but in incredibly different ways. Um, that class has been absolutely unbelievable. It's just changed my worldview in general. And then um, the other class that I'm taking is a global cities and world cinema course um, where we essentially are traveling all over the world, viewing different films from different time periods. There's contemporary, there's classics. You know, one week we could be watching a film that's set in the ruins of Berlin after World War II. And then the next week we're watching District 9 um, uh, and Godzilla uh, and analyzing how different cultures view monsters. Um, <clears throat> and so every class has just been very eye-opening. And it, it, I feel like when studying abroad, the whole point is to like open your worldview. But I feel like sometimes with classes, like I, I know for other people, their classes have been classes that you could take at Syracuse. But with these classes and specifically my English classes, it has been all about taking 
it's all about taking the building blocks you learned at Syracuse and applying them to a world, uh, to a more world oriented focus, broadening your horizons, uh, getting yourself out of your bubble. Uh, it's been really incredible. Um, yeah. And it's like, yeah, it's just great. Things are just awesome. Uh, (laughs) Learning English is so much fun. And also just being in London and like going to see the play, like the Tempest, the Globe was incredible. Um, I've gotten bookstore recommendations that I need to go to. Uh, Professor Hallis gave me some incredible recommendations on like queer things to do in London. It's it's just packed to the brim with so much stuff to do, Um, which is something that I'm uh, my long section in this will be about but what um would you say makes the it's a the bond films right Mm -hmm. what would you say makes their masculinity different and what's your favorite film you've watched in that class okay so what makes bond versus homes different bond is a i think what you talk about traditional masculinity in terms of physical performance uh just physical mannerisms and how men act emotionally um, and kind of are emotionally reserved, almost hidden with their emotions. Bond checks all the categories. He is like the, the, when the internet discourse about, oh, you got to be an alpha male or whatever that nonsense is, they imagine James Bond because he still also has a bit of an outsider thing to him. Um, He kind of, he plays by his own rules a little bit. And when you combine that, with his traditional masculine kind of emotional patterns and his uh and his just physique in general as like being traditionally uh classically uh attractive you get that's bond bond is this bond is like the the definition of perfect man with holmes especially in like the more modern adaptations he's more he's not physically well built you know he's 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 a skinny guy, res- socially reserved. Uh, but the thing is, is he in homosocial situations, which are homosocial being like social situations around other men. It's all about his intelligence and besting everyone else. And that is how he proves his masculinity. So you have someone who may not like physically be able to beat you down in a fight, uh, but intelligence wise can put pieces together and that is how he reigns supreme in his homosocial situations that is how he becomes the alpha in his own regards um so yeah that's the difference there favorite film so far is goldeneye because it combines the ridiculousness that makes bond good and pierce brosnan's attractive so that works (laughs) (laughs) that i've actually seen that movie and Mm -hmm. it is really good um I want to watch it again, but I think it's on a different streaming service than what I have, which is so annoying because actually for class, I had to watch a couple different films and like in the past I have, and like, it's so hard to find certain things on different streaming services for class, but we always make it work in the English department. We always do. No, no matter that's, that's us when the, it just makes shit work. That's us. I don't know if I could swear. I don't think I can, but it's okay um but yeah awesome uh yeah what's the uh i mean what are you doing like reading in london and like doing making writing seeing you know i mean 
one of the big things that I kind of came uh wanted to study abroad for is to find my own voice find and really expand on it you know because I've grown up in very um similar areas Syracuse is not too unfamiliar to where I grew up um just from the class and racial makeup and uh, perspective makeup it's it's been all a very homogenous experience so to go somewhere else with different cultural values has really opened me up so I uh what I uh am offering today what we're gonna uh, uh my section of the podcast it's gonna be a uh a cute little uh like an auditory guide of kind of my self-exploration in London and and what has made me a better uh, English student, what's made me a better writer, what's made me a better reader, what's made me just a more observant person in general, and what's just been so incredible about London and why I think everyone should at least consider studying abroad because it's uh, it's been a, to put it simply, it's been an incredible experience. So with that, uh, here's my... Uh, piece an auditory guide to studying abroad in london it never crossed my mind to study anywhere else but london um as an english major i felt like it was almost forced to um study in london you know the place where shakespeare and agatha christie and jane austen where they all like wrote you should probably study there as an english major right i i i never considered like going somewhere off the beaten path or like South America or anything like that. I just, I knew as an English major, this is what was expected of me. I had to study abroad in London. It was the, it was the natural progression. Um, and when talking to people about London, well, the first thing they said was, oh my God, you're so lucky. But the second thing they would do is, is give recommendations. And they would say, you need to do this, and you need to go to the Globe Theater, and you need to go to the Tower of London, and you need to go to the London Eye, you need to do ba ba ba. You needed to do these like set in stone things, um, or else you won't have like a true London experience. The kind of the intensity in which people would like recommend me things almost scared me a little bit. I, admittingly, kind of going into London, I never really thought for myself, what do I want? out of this experience and i had to have that moment of uh moment of realization um because of a school assignment that i was procrastinating on it was for this uh cas 200 class if you study abroad in london you take a one credit course which teaches you about london and it's many things and one of the assignments is this letter to yourself and one of the questions they ask you to answer in that letter is why are you here i had to think about this one and i was like i don't know because <laughs> I just I I had gone by what like other people expected of me that's why I was here I was going here based on other people's expectations of me or like fictionalized kind of expectations of what people had for me I wasn't thinking for myself when I got here and so I realized I wanted to find my own voice I wanted to be able to find my own voice not just as like a writer but as a traveler, at the time with my writing, I had these big plans. I wanted to write a pilot. I wanted to do all these things. I wanted to write like a short film. And I just never got to it. And it was really eating at me. And so I was like, okay, I need to find something that I really want to write about. Um, I need to, kind of, that'll help me get out of this writer's block, this funk I'm in. Um, and London will be great for that. So that I take the plane, seven hours. Um, I go into London. 
and immediately I just followed the orders. Uh, I went to the places I was told to go to. You know, the, and London is an incredible city for its its tourist attractions. You know, I did the London Eye. It was very cool. Um, I remember one rap song saying, shop in Shoreditch in Soho. So I shopped in Shoreditch in Soho. Both of which I, I love, but it I was going for the motions. I wasn't doing anything for me. I was doing things that people told me to do. And there wasn't that emotional connection that I was desiring. Um, I felt like a tourist in the city. I didn't feel like I was really gaining anything, more like I was taking. Um, and it that lack of like an emotional connection, I think, really resonated with me when I got to the globe. Because I thought, like, this is going to be the most incredible thing. This is where Shakespeare performed all the plays. I mean, you know, it burned down. So technically, no. But you get the point. I went to the original site. It was cool. And so I go, I see a live production of The Tempest with my Shakespeare class. And it was cool. It was fine. It was cold. Um, and my legs were tired because we were in the standing area. And um, I was just like, I was underwhelmed, admittingly. I I had built this thing up to be like this transcendent experience. And it just wasn't. Admittingly, I was going through a little bit of a crisis again. Multiple crises uh in london because i was just so lost in terms of what was i really going to get out of this you know what i i didn't feel like i was improving as a scholar at all i didn't feel like i was improving as a, a writer at all like as a creative thinker at all i wasn't absorbing a lot that was like going to really inspire me i didn't feel inspired in the slightest um and I was doing the things that people said, oh, you're going to have such a great experience doing this. And they, it's not like they lied, but I, I did feel a little deceived. Like, you told me I was going to feel this way, and I just absolutely don't. Um, So, yeah, I'm there. We're around week four, week five. And I'm I'm hanging out with some friends. Uh, we go to a gay bar, which was cool, but the music wasn't great. So then we go back to our own bar. But the night didn't really feel like it had ended yet, and so... Uh, a couple friends and I decided to go to this club called Heaven that uh, our friend recommended us on a whim. And we just go. We get in line. We get through somehow. Um, people were being rejected, uh, but we we made it nonetheless. And it's this Heaven is this wonderful uh, gay club. It's in Charing Cross. I really hadn't heard much about it until this night. I go in with no expectations. And it was one of the best nights of my life and just the everything about it just every single stimuli the lights the music just everyone crowded together packed like sardines but everyone's just so happy and queer and it started to click on me this this is what i want this this made me feel like levels of joy and levels of passion and like levels of freedom that i hadn't experienced in since like Two years, honestly, and when I think about it, like freshman year of college, like that first semester, that just pure like feeling like a kid, the amount of freedom you have, like nothing feels wrong in the world. That's what it felt like here. And I was just so happy. And I was like, oh, my goodness, this is this is what I want. This is this is the feeling that people were saying I was going to feel. I found it here. Um, and so then I get more interested into like. Okay, why was that the case? Why did I feel that happiness? And so I start thinking about clubbing and gender performance. I was uh, I, there's this professor, Professor Hunt, 
um, he teaches two classes that I was taking. Um, one was a soci sociology class called Business of Nightlife, and the other one was a it was a gender studies class that honest that you can get credit for as a film and screen studies class for the English program, and it was called uh, it's Bond Homes and British Masculinity. And essentially, in that class, we analyzed masculinity and gender performance through James Bond and Sherlock Holmes films and television shows. And I just became so enamored with both of these subjects of gender performance and how I was acting in these spaces and how my gender performance made me happier, made me sadder in certain social situations, how I expected myself to act in these situations and how that intertwined with like the club and the business of the club and how do clubs, what succeeds in a club night, what doesn't succeed in the club night, how do clubs market themselves, how do clubs like do security and door practices and zone themselves in order to give the club goer the best experience possible. And I became so passionate and excited about these things. And I was, and it finally gave me like the confidence to do things on my own, to go out and search for things that I want to do on my own. Um, when I went to Athens, uh, I got a friend, my friend Brett, my roommate, he's probably hearing my loud voice right now as he d tries to do work and I am completely distracting him. I'm sorry, Brett. He's, uh, he's my roommate in my flat. Um, we went to a karaoke bar in Athens and it was wonderful. I, I, in Berlin, we, I went to clubs with him, um, and a couple other friends. We went to this club that David Bowie used to frequent called So 36 and they were playing Turkish house and it made no sense. It sounded weird as hell, but it was wonderful. Uh, and, then we, uh, I, I, there's this club called Bergheim that's famous. I didn't get in because the queue was four hours long, but it was amazing. It, just being in that line was fantastic. And then in Edinburgh, in Scotland, in Glasgow, going to clubs there and, and meeting new people and hearing about their experiences and l learning about like drum and bass and Bristol based, uh, music. Um, and, how like a DJ can really master a room like at the sub club in Glasgow. And just these sensory experiences were so rewarding and they made me so happy. And I and I finally felt this joy that I, I hadn't felt in such a long time. And this confidence to be able to go into these spaces alone. That is something that I, with my social anxiety, I just never really felt I was going to be able to do um, to ever get there. And then as a writer, I just, I finally felt like, oh my goodness, this is how I want to, this is what I want to focus on. I want to write something about this. Um, I, whether it's copy for like club nights and house shows back at Syracuse or writing a pilot or, or show like a comedy show about this subject. I finally felt inspired to write again. Um, and it was because... I, I had listened to people. I had done the things, but I had really taken into myself what I wanted to do. I allowed, I stepped out of my comfort zone. I finally was able to find confidence within myself and therefore develop my own writing voice. Um, and through this self-exploration, through things like discovering my sexuality and changing my label from bisexuality to pansexuality, um, these tiny little things, I never really would have had the confidence and like the self-assurance to do until London until immersing myself in these new experiences 
I have like at this point I'm recording this with two free weeks left um and I'm really happy I I'm coming home you know of course sad because I don't know when I'm gonna get back here but amped and like excited to write again and excited to do things again and I haven't felt that way in such such a long time and so for my writers for my English majors who are considering studying abroad I guess the takeaway here is people are going to tell you wherever you study do this do that you're going to feel pressured you're gonna feel like you have to accommodate all of what these people say all of what people tell you and my advice to you is, you could still do that. Don't completely disregard what people say. Some people have excellent recommendations. I mean, some p- people recommended Shortage to me and Soho. And I love it there. And I love Shortage and I love Soho. They're wonderful. But allow yourself to come first. Allow your ideas and your desires to come first. Hop out of your comfort zone. Do the things that you would least expect to kind of like and do that. And you, hey, you might hate them. Maybe you were right about yourself. But I just know for a fact that as someone who had never really been partying before London and now realizing that that's a world that I'm really interested in writing about, that that wouldn't have happened had I not taken that leap out of like this preconceived bubble of who I was. Finding your own voice isn't, traveling in the footsteps of the great writers of the past like yeah you can go to the globe it's a, but it's about taking your life experiences and finding your own perspective on them it's it's jarbling your weird life together and be able be able to articulate it in a way that no one else can and the way you do that is through immersing yourself in experiences that you will never really get to experience again and that's what studying abroad is about find your own voice by not following other people, but by take planting your feet and saying, this is what I want to do. And from there, you're going to immerse yourself in wonderful things. And from there, that's where the writing comes in. That's where the inspiration comes in. And that's where your best work is going to come from. So we are live from the editing booth right now. Um, we forgot to record a transition piece, a uh, transition section into... Victoria's a wonderful piece about the career fair. Um, Victoria was able to attend our career fair, which we host every year, um, featuring SU English alumni talking about their professions, what has been successful, what hasn't been successful, and it's a really incredible learning experience for um, English students. So with that, let me uh, transition over to Victoria's piece about the career fair. So every year, um, usually in the fall, the English department has a career panel of past English majors that have graduated and gone on to do wonderful things with their careers. Um, And it's so wonderful meeting all these different people with all these different careers. Um, And once these people have gone through what they've kind of done, there's a Q&A session and it's so wonderful. it's extremely well-rounded and it's very well run um and again there's a lot of diverse careers um everyone that attended was tanya gillis who worked works for like paramount production and is working with paramount plus she's actually in london during the career panel which was super super cool and she was also 
the first person to show people or like show kids spongebob which is something that i like really clung on to because i love spongebob um then there was josh koskoff who was a lawyer um he works with um a lot of mass shooting victims like he is a couple well he said 14 i believe um uvalde families he's working with them um in their cases he works on a couple alex jones cases which really really spoke to me because this is a huge issue in america and it's crazy to me that an su graduate would be working on something so important um it's really really inspiring to see someone from my major go on and do such amazing things and really support important things and very real things um very good work from him i i'm completely amazed um then there was jackie welch who does hr for the new york times which is again crazy really big name um hr is super important my brother's in hr um she's also done financial work she's done work for pfizer she has done so many things with her career and i really think she shows the diversity of what you can do with an english um, major and then finally there was greg ferguson he actually met his wife at su which was super cute um but he is a in publishing and editorial for i believe harper collins and like i possibly a couple other companies um harper collins is like such a cool publishing company to me i know a lot about it um and i was super happy to hear that but <clears throat> yeah uh i have like, a lot of highlights from the panel um i think tanya really spoke to me in a couple of moments when she was talking about how the cultural context uh that you learn from like an english degree and like different texts and everything is something that she found really important and how she shifted from her like film production into kind of looking into other stories that the major has to offer but she all happy there as well so uh that was a that was a huge benefit of going to school <laughs> going at going to syracuse well, i can yeah. jump into as yeah. to, to sarah's question as a was a new house and i i would say that uh new house um I got a lot of connections in the industry with Newhouse. I got a lot of understanding of the industry with Newhouse, but I think my English major uh, made me really good at my job because I communicate every day. I write every day. I have to do presentations. I have to do public speaking and the ability to um, tell a story, um, have a critical eye and express uh, myself clearly in either speech or writing that's that's been a, a key uh key to my success um that clip is just so wonderful it's i love hearing that everything about that um but i think it kind of connects to my next highlight which is about how josh koskoff chose his major and kind of what he gained from that and here's that clip. My dad had said to me, you know, when I was struggling to figure out what type of major to be, he said, do be an English major because there's no jobs that are called English. Like, like you can, you always have time to get a job, but do something you wouldn't ordinarily do and give you, and English, of course, teaches us all such broad range of, of skills and it 
it introduces us through reading to different relationships and different, uh, uh, you know, analytical uh, thinking. And I think that the fact that that you have a bunch of guests here who who all do different things is a testament to how valuable an English major is. Um, whereas if you had an engineering, if we were all engineers, everybody would be hearing about people who all did some kind of engineering. So I, I'm I'm impressed by the diversity of of this panel. Um, and I think that increasingly, you know, um, we're becoming uh, people I I. I meet these days, the younger generation, especially, but some people my age, you know, they're one demand, the more one dimensional because there are more demands in our time. So I think reading, this is the time to read books. I'm so, I just love how Josh said, read books. Um, I love reading books and this semester has been so good for book reading. Um, but my next and final highlight is um, Jackie Walsh talking about the importance of like the major for her and what it's done for her and how useful it can First of all, there's just sort of the vastness of the liberal arts college and just the access to so many things that you can take to augment your, your English or liberal arts degree. I will also say that I had extraordinary professors who really leaned in on helping you sort of integrate these vast different types of literature and really sort of coming up with a point of view that was so well informed because you were reading so broadly. And those are skills I use today. All of my jobs have been international in nature. Um, meeting someone and being able to say, well, in fact, I have read, you know, pick a book, right? Don Quixote de la Mancha. I actually know what that is. I know why that's important. Or Russian literature, or pick something. Um, having those points of entry have certainly been helpful. Also, I just had a firm conviction that if I knew how to read and interpret and apply, which were skills that you get from English, someone somewhere would hire me to do something that not only provided a living, but would make me to ask people like this questions and connect with them because of how important their work is and how vast their careers have been. They are just doing such amazing things. And I'm we are so proud to have them as alum, not only of SU, but of our department. Um, and we're so thankful that they would answer our questions. And I am so happy I got to attend this event yet again because last year it was also great. But this year it really switched it up and it was so nice to see everyone, um, especially some professors who I haven't seen in a while. And they actually mentioned a couple of them and it was so fun to hear that they've had professors that I've had. And I, I'm, I'm just so excited uh, about this and I cannot wait for the next one. Thank you guys so much for listening. Um, we're going to talk about our plans for next semester. Sam, what are, you, what are your classes for next semester? What are you thinking about doing? Um, as of recording this, I just registered mine. Um, my I'm taking two classes, uh, balancing that with also my uh, television radio film major, Newhouse. Um, and I'm really excited about my two classes. Um, I'm doing a Race, Empire, Nation class. Um we are, if I can get the uh, the course uh, description up right now, because I was doing a little research. Um, basically, it's analyzing cities, uh, kind of like my film class, but specifically the conditions of Black lives shaped by these urban structures. Um, and we're going to be looking at how Jim Crow has affected uh, cities like Chicago, New York, and Los Angeles. And then we're going across the world. Uh, we're going to be reviewing uh, Paris, London, uh, Nairobi, uh, Accra, Lagos. Um, yeah, it's it's 
it's just see when you talk it's yeah it's pretty much that um it's a really uh i'm really excited for the class i and in general just being in a city and being uh is super interesting and I've done a lot of analysis on the queer life in London. So now to understand uh, black life in London uh, will be really interesting. Um, and then I'm also taking a class uh, with Professor Beam um, about uh, the out uh, fiction in U.S. post-Civil War. Um, so that'll be awesome as well. And also it writes about New England, where I'm from, which makes me happy. So what about you, Victoria? What are, what are your plans? I am taking... 242, the basis class for our major, mm -hmm. uh, reading interpretation. I haven't like had my registration yet, but I know Professor Roy Lance and Professor Beam are both teaching one section, so I will make it into one of those classes. Um, that class is definitely very standard. Um, a lot of uh, just understanding texts and interpreting them, and it's I've heard very good things, so I'm excited for that class. But I'm also taking the Race, Nation, Empire class, um, the British contemporary film mm -hmm. part of it with Professor Hollis. I've already had him. He's my major advisor. I love him. I've loved hearing him talk about Britain and like the film and culture there and everything. So I'm really excited to hear about that and like the social issues behind that, like Brexit and his perspective on it, like being from there, um, as well as just the like black british film movement and everything surrounding that so yeah that's awesome yeah um professor hallis is awesome i had him for queering documentary uh which was a class that was offered last spring semester and it was wonderful some of my favorite films i've ever seen uh watermelon uh woman and dyke tactics in particular were really really wonderful um but yeah uh if, yeah i'm just that sounds oh i'm I'm looking at the, I was reading the the course description right now. I'm like, oh, that's good. Uh, yeah, awesome. Yeah, this, well, I mean, hopefully, you know, and I'll be back in Syracuse. Uh, so that'll be great as well. Um, thank you, Victoria, yeah. for uh, joining me. Thank you guys so much for listening. I'm Victoria. And I'm Sam. Uh, yeah. Um, oh, I'm reading. Yeah, keep reading. That's a good thing. It makes the brain strong. Um, thank you guys so much.